You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. How you doing today, man? I'm good. I got my coffee. It's a nice Wednesday morning. It's cloudy out. I like it when it's cloudy Wait, out. Wait, the cloudiness happens in LA? June Gloom. You never heard of June Gloom? I've never heard. Is that a, per, is that a book? Or a young adult book series? Yeah. No, it, it's every, every <laughs> June in LA, a marine layer that comes in and then burns off by the afternoon. But my soul feels a connection to it, you know? Clouds and rain and darkness. and Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's fucked up, but I, 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 I'm with it. You know... And I, I want you to notice, Alex, I'm trying a new leaf here. I'm trying to support you. I appreciate that. You didn't come in swinging. You didn't come You're in swinging. You're not talking today. about how how miserable my life is, no. how, you know, the mistake yeah. of me. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. We'll see how far we can take this thing. Alex, I love the way that you edit. I love it. I love the sinewiness of your hair, your flaxen Luke Skywalker hair. I love, I love, you know what? I love that you let me live on your couch for a good year. I feel like this is something where you're going to dump out on me and you're going to say some shit. No, he's not. I am. I'm done with this. I'm done with this intro. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I have listened to all your podcasts. I don't know if you know this, Nick, but I'm a freaking Tony winner. And you're going to make me listen to this crap. Here's the fun part. Here's the great part. Alex, you are a wonderful director living in the la-la land of Los Angeles. And you're going to let this dude from New York bullshit you about this? Come on! He has dissed you on every single podcast. Even you were in his wedding. You have had his back you put him in his only movie and you're gonna let him bullshit you like this luke skywalker hair i have seen your work i have listened to your edits the only reason why this man has a podcast is because you los angeles director said you would be there and the only reason why people are listening is because they thought after all the crap you've done on social media that james monroe eichelhart the star of hamilton the genie in aladdin memphis disney cartoons People love me. They knew I was going to be here, which is the only reason why they're listening. Nick Walker, shut up. Little Justice, Little Justice, Little Justice. Fuck yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with the podcast <laughs> on the Broadway Podcast Network. And this is because we are talking about films, we are talking about your favorite nerd things. And why? Because Nick Walker has popular friends. Alex, start the show. I think I found my new co-host. <laughs> 
Oh, God damn it. Welcome. I have never in my life. That seat, <laughs> sinewy hair, whatever. You know, you're giving me compliments and I'm, I'm feeling good about that. I'm like, oh, this, this is nice. This is, I have, I have never felt so. My soul is moved by that. Oh, God. <laughs> Shave, my, my body is shook. <laughs> I, I am so disgusted by everything. I don't know why I made this choice. To yeah, I don't listen. know why you were really stupid. Here's the fun part, oh, Nick. God. We let this battle go. I let you win. I You've let you waiting. win. I let you win. I let you win. I let you get Batman out there. I let you have your little moment. I let it go. I let you be the star right next door to me. I let everybody come and go, look at Nick Lager staring and ain't too proud. He's got his own podcast. Broadway Network. Broadway Podcast Network asked me to have a podcast. I said, no. Hey, let Nick have his moment. I'll let kill you. Uh-uh. And I said, no. My, I, I, you, can, you can ask Alan Seals the producer of the network. You can oh ask him. God. I told him, I said, hey, man, I don't have the bandwidth right now, but you got Nick Walker. And of course, Alex is there going to do the best job and make it sound, make Nick sound good. So let me step off for a minute. And what do you do? What do you do? You go off on your other little half-ass podcast. Oh, you shit. Thing, you oh, shit. Thing, and you a picture of Will Smith as the genie and you say <laughs> hey james eigelhart is here and you put up that no! picture. here's the great thing i love will will is no! a uh, oscar nominated person i love to be in the group but you dissed me because let's just be honest and people can say it there is one one black genie and it is me. It is not the guy from the old films. It is not Will Smith. It is not the other brothers that came in because they all look like me. It is me. And what do oh, you do, no. What do you do? You and your girl, Sasha, who I love, by the way, because I know it wasn't Sasha's fault because she didn't edit that. You did. You put up this picture and then uh-huh. had the nerve to invite me to your podcast. <laughs> and you think... You think that I was going to let that go? Nah, man, I've been quiet. I've been quiet because here's the fun thing. My wife, my wife of 18 years is the one that told me to leave you alone. Basically like a mom stopping a bully from beating up a kid. And she said, no, let she said, let Nick have this. Let Nick have his Batman moment, Jane. Stop it. You have other important things to do. So I did. And the great thing is, Nick, it doesn't matter whether you got Batman. You did. You got Batman. I got your wife. We have that in common, actually. Hey, there you go. You know, (laughs) the great thing about Sarah is she is a loving person. And it's like seeing a, a, a kicked puppy. And she said, I've got to take care of this puppy. Oh, God. Damn. I got to make sure that Nick is okay. And every time something happens on Instagram, you can see her going, this is my man. This is my man. She's a strong black woman. Look at my man. Don't talk to my husband. You know why? Because she's a strong, a loving black woman to make you feel better. If you didn't have anybody, you'd be a kicked bully. But you know what? Hey, this is your show. You go ahead. Talk. What do you got to say? Yeah, go on, Nick. I- intro. Intro, Nick. No, the intro's done. There's no intro. Welcome everybody to the show. What's what's the matter? No, the show's already started. Clearly. Clearly the show's show's already begun. Let's just talk. You know the great great thing about Nick Walker's show is that Nick Walker's show talks about (laughs) movies. Nick Walker talks about the things that fans of movies like. They went over biopics. We went over different type of films to make you feel. And today today we're going to talk about the films that you love that are based on comic books and how closely we will compare these films. And the great thing is you actually have a host who actually knows how to do a podcast. And I don't mean Nick, I mean me. Um, 
I can't stand you. Let's just just throw this out there. I mean, Alex, you and Nick probably have a film that you guys want to talk about because it's your show, quote unquote. Uh, Why don't you guys throw out that film? And me as the guest, I will wait. And then I will throw out my film because that's what a host usually does. But since Nick hasn't had the balls to step in and stop me because he can't, I'm going to throw the ball to you. Pass it on, Bill. Just, you know, call me Steph Curry. Passing it. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, so... How do do I follow this up? Uh, What's the theme? Just give them the theme at least. All right. So so today the theme is it's not just comic book adaptation. It is the most faithful comic book adaptation because this day and age, there are so many comic book movies out there, right? Very true. if famous comic book source material exists, there's been TV shows, there's been movies. And sometimes, sometimes what they do is they take it in a very different direction because obviously uh, the visual medium on the page is very different from the visual medium on the screen. There are things you can do in two hours that you can't do in a 300 page graphic novel and vice versa. Uh, so what we're talking about is a movie that is the most faithful to what that source material was trying to do. Whether that means like a shot for shot, whether that means thematically, whether you know whatever it means, that's what we're talking about. So before we even line it up, James, let's just let's just chat about comic book movies. Sure. Let's just let's just yeah. What do you think? I, I love them. I, I think you know we've had um, comic book adaptations since the beginning of time. From the one where the brothers can, I should say, people could put uh, stories to film. They've always gone to whatever source they could find. And there was something great about you know superheroes, whether it be Superman, Batman, uh, the Hulk, Wonder Woman, uh, you know, Spider Man. It's been great, and they've come in some of the most ridiculous things, whether they be silent films like the old Batman and Robin, or you know, coming up with uh, the Reeves television show with. Superman. They've always put these things on film and they've done their best to try and bring the comic book to life while also <laughs> dealing with what uh, you know standards were for television or what the what I call the suits, the people who think they know what the fans want to see <laughs> and what will be allowed to put up there. So someone writes a comic book and Jim Lee writes a comic book and they say, hey, we're going to put this on film. And then some suit goes, hey, that's great. You write comics. I make films. Let me show you what we should do. And then, you know, we end up with, you know, Superman three. Um, so there, are, there I, I love these adaptations and I, you know, I will always watch them, but some are just fantastic and some of them are just way. Some are I, really bad. Yeah, some, some of them <laughs> are really, really bad. I mean, how do you see, cause, cause it's evolved over time, right? Like it yeah. started out, you got the old Adam West Batmans, you know, with tights and, mm-hmm. and whatever comic books were always, they were, they were treated, they're treated a lot of times as like lesser stories right superheroes until until marvel really came in really came in and and evolved their whole game they were nerdy well i think i think i think the fun thing is they were always um marvel came in and made them cool so that everybody could say hey i watch them i watch a comic book film uh there's always been a couple of standouts that have always that people have gone oh that made it to you know a certain level of popularity whether it be Chris Christopher Reeves with Superman or whether it be uh, Tim Burton's Batman or you know whether you have something like Jim Carrey's The Mask there has always been some form of uh, the, that one that stood out and said oh this is a comic movie but it's not really comic movie it's more for everybody where it was wasn't until like Marvel came mm-hmm. out that all of a sudden well I shouldn't say that I should say it wasn't until Christopher Nolan came out and did the Batman that made people go oh, oh, snap, this can be 
something. And then Marvel came out with Iron Man and they went, wait, I think we have something here. And now we've, you know, the past 20 years. But there's always... I think the- did did, be- did Begins... Was Batman Begins before Iron Man? Oh, yeah. Way before? Mm-hmm. Batman yeah. Begins... I thought it was, wasn't yeah, it? Hi, hi, Nick. It was. It was. It was. I think it was right before. It was because Batman yeah. Begins was. It was two thousand. I mean, they, I would. I would probably. I'm guessing that these were probably in production. Two thousand five. Around. Yeah, Marvel was. Marvel you know, was trying right. to figure out. Oh yeah, Iron Man was a couple years after. Yeah, Batman. Iron yeah. Man was a couple years later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's why they got it. They got it greenlit because what they wanted to do was um, Marvel wanted to have one of their main characters, but they couldn't because uh, Fantastic Four, Hulk, and X-Men, and Spider-Man were all with different properties right before Marvel um, right. You know, filed for bankruptcy. And then a small Marvel company said, this, they, they said, you know what, we should just do it on our own. Let's just do one. And the only character they had that they felt that could be, you know, popular, or at least not, at least make it, was Iron Man. And, you know, they gambled. And I mean, it was a big gamble. If Iron Man didn't work, Marvel was done. And the gamble worked, and you know the rest is history. I mean, yeah. Come on, they're doing okay now. Yeah, dude, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happened? I mean, what do you think that process is like? Right, it, moving something from from the page, like a comic panel, it's it, it can be hard to follow. I mean, it you know the, the story moves differently. There's just as much about about drawn art as anything like that. Like moving it onto the screen, what do you think some of the uh, the problems are that people run into. I think some of the problems are b- believability. Um, it's one thing you can have a guy who has superpowers, but there's a line in the X-Men film, which I love where Wolverine uh, paraphrasing a line was like, what am I supposed to wear? Yellow spandex. It's like that kind of, that kind of thing on the screen is would would be a lot. You have to almost kind of like, nurse the audience to get them ready for something like that. So they nursed the audience over years of comic book movies. So we could get to Deadpool where he's looking exactly like he does on the, you know, on the film. So it's believability, but it's also about um, the companies believing in the characters enough to let them be who they are. The characters are strong enough on their own. The stories are strong enough on their own. I mean, you basically have a comic book, which is a storyboard for a movie, but you have to have the right timing you know, it's it's all the you know, you could put out a great film, but if the audience isn't ready for it, the right timing. And also you need a company to believe in it to say, we're gonna do this, and then let the audience choose. And that's what happened. Marvel put out Iron Man and the audience ate it up, and the rest of the world went, I don't understand what's going on. So by the time we got to Avengers, it was too late. Everybody was trying to catch up. You know, yeah. everybody's like, Oh, we need to make a superhero film. We should do the Justice League. No, you shouldn't. And if you're gonna do it, do it right, but take time. But they didn't, they went fast. And so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the new one on HBO oh, Max, yeah. you know. I feel like part of the the thing that's making Marvel work though is that they're not really tied to one thing, right? They have the the, the characters have transcended the stories that exist on paper. Yes. Right? So they're they're using the, they're pulling from things. Obviously like like all of these storylines kind of exist in one way or another uh in previous iterations on the page, but the characters and DC is the same thing. The characters transcend where they can tell completely New stories, like I'm, I'm pretty positive that Zack Snyder's Justice League isn't isn't written down anywhere, right? There's not like a paperback version of. No, they of, basically when DC did the New Fifty Two, and I think it's New Fifty, yeah, New Fifty Two, and then right after the New Fifty Two, they redid uh, like a rebirth, and they kind of took that story of Dark Side coming in and the Justice League meeting for the first time, and they took they really and they loosely based that on how the Justice League first got together. And so there. what's funny is almost every 
comic book story from the big two, Marvel, DC, is based on something that is, mm-hmm. that's already on the page. Um, and like the Hulk in the, the Avengers film, that particular Hulk is based on Peter David's Hulk that he that he created, which was, you know, the Hulk that uh, where they both he had Hulk body and Bruce's brain. You know, Peter David created that 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 look and they were like oh let's use that one so they're they're they're, these things are based on you know stuff that's out there it's just that you don't have enough time (laughs) to have people read to have people to have enough movies to get you up to uh, up to snuff where this character is so you have to kind of like squish everything together and put that character in and find a way to work it so that all works together so that's kind of the thing that I, I like. That's why I like, you know, for comic book nerds, there's like different universes. There's the MCU, which is the movie universe. Then there's the comic book universe. There's the TV universe. And there's video game universe. And they all do different things. And, and every once in a while, they all like coincide and meet. And it makes it really, really cool. That's interesting. In, in terms of looking at it as faithful adaptations, it's interesting thinking about the, the dynamic of how these stories kind of bounce back and forth and yeah. over each other and mix throughout. Yeah, Nick, you got any anything? You still with us? I'm still in recovery, and um, I'm going to be processing a lot of this throughout the episode. So uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit here for a second. And you're uh, just gonna sit here. I'm gonna. All right. You see what he did? You see what he did? That? Let me tell you something. I've always I give Nick credit. I give Nick credit where credit is due. Nick is a fantastic writer. Nick is a fantastic singer. Nick is a great actor, and Nick is an okay dancer. But let's go back to his great acting. Nick just softly told the audience that he's going to sit back and reflect, basically making it seem like he's been bullied, he has to deal with it, and hopefully come up with something. Now, what you guys don't know is Nick is a great actor. He's sitting back there waiting for his next move for me to say something stupid so he can jump in and attack. Nick, stop being a little wimp and just talk. You know this crap. James, let me tell you something. We've had these conversations. While You You know what to say. We've had all these conversations. Here, watch, he's watch, he's about to hit right now. Watch, watch. No, right, go no, ahead. No, there's nothing. No, no. There's. Huh? I just, I just, I. Huh? You've heard it. You're right. Exactly. You've heard it here Ooh. first. Right. I just tweeted out that you won, man. No, shut I your ass. I literally. I just, I just, I said, yo, James came on and he hijacked the pod, and like, I'm not even mad. Like, <laughs> like, he, like, you won. <laughs> like, there's nothing. Like I, I might have a comeback in like in like a good three weeks, but like there's nothing right now for me to say. Now, now what I will say in terms of our topic, in terms of the topic that we are talking about right That's now. That's what I meant. <laughs> what I will say about that is uh no, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that I think that one of the things that just that you talked about uh that I love about these movies. I think Marvel did a really smart thing where they, <clears throat> when you watch a DCEU movie, a lot of what you're seeing, it's like that fan service Easter egg, right? It's like that thing yes. that it's like that, you know, they're, they're just, it's almost like so many of these movies are just compiled as like fan service. And they're just yes. looking for those things that, that the fans are going to love and the fans will, and only the deep, deep fans will know, you know, the, the kind of archive cuts. The thing that I think Marvel did straight away from the beginning was say, okay, we're going to use these elements to propel story, story, story first. And if the, if the Easter eggs fall in there, like through the story, naturally through the story, then, then sure we can put them in there. We can, we can do, you know, do pull like the most asinine of characters out of the comics and put them in there. But story has to come first. And I think that that's where, if we're having the Marvel DC discussion, I think that's where 
they have just overall uh, Marvel has just, you know, gone out and gotten out so far in front. It's just story comes first. And so you have, you know, we watched uh, Inf- Infinity War last night. The character arc was so clear for, mm-hmm. for all those people that you've now been watching at this point, 10 years. Um, you get to the end and, you know, and Tony's whole movie is about themes that were presented in Iron Man 1. Um, yes. So they, they really, I think they borrowed really from like long form storytelling and from, uh, you know, I would even go so far as to say from like T, like it's, it really is like a long TV show. Like that's, that's what they did just with a bigger budget and really, really talented actors. With the MCU, at least what I like with the MCU is that they wrote, I mean, I may probably wrong, but they wrote the films like they were writing. Marvel gets together at the beginning of the year and they sat down and say, okay, what are we going to do? And they always they have plans. And then all of a sudden in the group, you know, they have this, let, let's do this one big story. And they have the writers in it go, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And then these stories come out and people go, oh my God, they've got this big thing happening. They, they didn't do that with the film, but they, with Iron Man, they left this Easter egg and they left it open so they could. And then they went from there and like, okay, now what is the big story? And they wrote the big story. I think what is different with DC and some of the other comic book films or film adaptations are they're just writing that one story, you know? And I think the great thing is they, they Marvel knew they, they had a long, they, they make one good story, but they keep it open for the long story that they really want to write. And that is what makes it so much fun, but that's where they don't have to be as, faithful to the material because they know they're going to bring in just enough of it so that the comic book audience goes, Oh my God, I recognize that. And it's a good enough story that the people who aren't comic book uh, readers go, Oh, what a great story. And which makes them want to go to the comic and read what, how it happened like in comic book time. Well, I I think, I think it shows too, in that perspective, uh, looking at what DC did and then what they were trying to do with the universal monsters. Yes. Um, Oh my God. Launching the mummy. It's, it's, you're seeing anybody who has, you know, a famous IP set of characters thinks, Oh, well, if Marvel can do it, then we should do it. But they're kind of doing it in reverse, right? They're, they're putting the cart before the horse where they're not worried about building up the individual characters. The reason we care about Tony Stark 10 years later is not because one movie was really good, but because we we've started to care about him. We start with a good movie and then we build it over time instead of starting with the big idea and then trying to like fit details in as you go. On that note, it's been interesting too to see, you know, and again, I'm not in these studio meetings. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And I know also that it's, it's very, let's just say it out loud again, very hard to make a movie. So like I get, you know, I mean, I get that like things may happen and people, you know, whatever. But what, 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 what it's appeared like from the outset, from the outside eye is like, you know, DCEU saw this thing happening. A dark universe saw this thing happening with Marvel and they were like, oh yeah, let's jump on this bandwagon. But then with DCEU, it's all, I mean, I think, I think in a smart way, they got lazy. I think in a smart way, they stopped trying and we're just like, yo, let's just let people make good movies right. again. And that's why you have a Joker and that's why you have a Shazam. And, and, you know, just what Marvel's doing takes, it takes time. It takes time and it takes a visionary. Yeah. It takes a Kevin Feige to come in mm-hmm. and say, yo, here's the plan for the next 10 years. And if you don't have that, then yeah. The, the only one that I think is, and I, sh- I don't put them in the same, uh, I don't put them in the same vicinity as the MCU, but the one thing that seems to be having uh, success with it, even though people, some people, well, the critics hate the films, is the monster verse, like Godzilla, 
Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they had a long, they had a long game. They knew when they did Godzilla, they knew they wanted King Kong. When they did King Kong, they knew they wanted Godzilla. They knew they wanted the second God. They knew what they want. They wanted to build up to the King Kong versus Godzilla fight. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, they want, that was their build. And so I think they understood it. And, but I hate when critics go, it's just two monsters destroying a city. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's all it ever has been. Do you think that that made it easier for them? Because again, I think I think the thing that they have on their side is you really don't have to do that much legwork in terms of character. Because at the end of the day, you're just throwing two monsters in a cage. Yeah, like, I think I think the fun thing is I think some people go to films. Okay, there are movies, and at least this is this is James Lockhart opinion. No one else's. Do not take this for anything, but coming out of you know coming out of me, there are movies. And there are quote unquote films. Films are the movies that only about, I don't know, 50, maybe 40% of the world watches. No one knows who they are. They win Oscars and people go, who the hell is that? And where'd that come from? Then there are movies that real people watch. And those films (laughs) are good and fun and make millions of dollars. And everybody goes and buys the DVD for the extra stuff. And oh my God, they're wearing chains and shirts and stuff. There's nobody walking around with a shirt that says out of Africa. No one's doing that. No no one, no one's, no one is going to be, you know, going out and getting a film. No one's going to get no, as much as I love my brother, Mahershala, no one's going to go out and get a shirt, you know, with, you know, moonlight. There's like five people, maybe, maybe more, maybe, maybe, okay. That's not true. Maybe a thousand people got a moonlight shirt, but everybody has an Iron Man shirt. People got Godzilla on there. People, you know, people walking around with Mm ET, you know, they're movies. When these films come out, People want entertainment. They want to get away. That you don't want to watch, you know, real life protests on TV and then go to the film and go, yeah, man, tell me about the Black Lives Matter and how much white people have been shooting us. No, we we kind of want to get away for a minute and see the Millennium Falcon do some crap that's completely impossible. We we want to see little Luke Skywalker beat up Darth Vader when we know deep down he really should have got his ass kicked. But but you know it's a movie. Which is why, which is in that this this just brings up another point that I, I I've always wanted to make, but that's why it pisses me off when in you know when in recent years when <clears throat> we have had more diverse casting in these films, you know a lot of people have jumped on. Oh well, God, now Star Wars is like trying to be a social justice war. It's like no, Star Wars is trying to make money. Thank you. And they realize that that these movies are for everyone. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And and so we want to see ourselves reflected in this exactly. universe. That's that's what it and and it's so crazy because in America everything is political, but also not everything is political. There's some things yes. that just about, you know, people having a good time. And some things are just about money because it's really one of my favorite things about the stuff. One little tangent. One of my favorite things about the Star Wars universe yeah. is if the, <laughs> you watch the first Star Wars, right? The Star Wars one, Star Wars four, five, six, and you find one black guy, and he's you find two black guys. You have Lando Calrissian, yes, and the dude in one of the uh, in the Rebel fighters who goes, "It's gonna blow," and he blows up, yeah. and he dies. And then there's the fat guy, you know, Porkins. Porkins dies. There, there's no females flying, but then you get two. So something happened between number one, two, and three, where we had nothing but female pilots. Where did they go for four, five, and six? How did yeah. they? And then they came back for seven, eight, nine. What? Where? 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 Where have they been? So that where have stuff, they been, George? Where stuff, have they been? What stuff like that when you, when people say, "Oh, now they're trying to just get our attention," you're like, "Yes, they have to reflect the time." But yeah. when you reflect the time and didn't reflect it before, it does seem kind of weird that you know there was one black dude. Now you get to the new universe, and there's like tons of brothers flying ships, yes. and women are women are pilots and killing things. But like those, it's like those 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 middle years when the empire was in control. Yeah, maybe you could make a short story and say, "Actually, we want no black people flying and no women flying." What? <laughs> 
<laughs> this, this is why also I will always give it up to Carrie Fisher because if you look at what she was doing, like she yes. the archetype she was given and then what she did with that archetype at the time she did it. Yes. Like I was when I watched A New Hope recently, I was like, oh my God, like you were you were doing shit that like, I don't she's know. A maverick. She was a maverick. She was like, yo, fuck this. I'm crazy. I don't care if, you know, yes, I'm a princess in a castle and you need to rescue, rescue me, but I'm also going to give you like a fully dimensional character. Yeah. And also realize, oh my God, you're the prince who does not know what he's doing. Let me exactly. fix it. I was going to let you help me, but you have no idea what you're doing, but I'm yeah. sorry. I stepped off topic. Uh, most faithful type of. Most faithful. Of- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what so, do you, what do you guys think? I mean, what, what's your fit? What's your pick? Alex, do you want to go? I can go first or you can go first. Which, whichever one you... I'm, uh, I'm, either way. I have such a backseat. I'm such a backseat driver now. You're you know? such... I love, I love this, this. I know. This is like your... This is probably your favorite the episode. Backseat. You, you've, been com- you've been completely put in your place. And can, I, can, I, can I say this, though? You, I, I knew that this was coming in some form <laughs> or fashion. I was, not pre- I was not prepared for the onslaught. Like, truly, I was unprepared. Yeah, let me but, tell you something, audience, you, about not being prepared. Now, you guys have probably seen, or maybe you haven't, uh, you have to go far on our Instagrams, where I used to scare the crap out of Nick Walker when he was just, you know, you know, man five, man six in, in our wonderful show. Uh, and now he's, you know, the lead of Ain't Too Proud, and he is fantastic. And when Broadway opens it back up, you have to go see it, because the man is a tour de force. He is ridiculous on stage and I will never ever take that from Nick Walker but Nick's walking down the street and I can see him walking so confidently down the street because he's a principal now you know you could tell there's a principal air to his to the I can't stand you and what's funny is Nick is like six four six five very lanky tall dude and so he has this little kind of like this little this little bounce when he walks and especially when he's feeling confident and I walked up to him and scared the living hell out of him and he he went right back down to man six you could tell he was like what you come from and he says directly, he goes, you will not do this to me. And I said, you mean what I just did right now? <laughs> he just looked at me and he's like, he knew. He, he, he knew. I was like, yes, Nick is going to be the Hollywood guy. And when he's walking off stage after winning his Oscar for best script from whatever movie, I'm going to scare the living crap out of him backstage and say, congratulations on the Oscar. And he, there's nothing he can do. He's just going to hold the Oscar, scared to death. That he's pissing his pants and have to go change his pants and then go do the interview. That's what you do when you win an award. Because I've won one, I know. Um, I hate you! I hate you! I hate you! I need you to teach me your ways. <laughs> no! Alex, you don't- Alex, Alex here's, here, here's what you do, my young Padawan. This is what you do. You know Nick Walker. And God Nick Walker it. knows you. But the problem is, as long as you know Nick Walker, you can get it. Most people are always listening to his sob stories about, oh, man, when I was in Boston. I hate you. Treated me all his plays, all his plays, all okay, of his have you plays, read the script that he's written? Yeah, yeah, all, all of his plays are the metaphor for his childhood of how people treated him wrong and how he wanted to be an anarchist and blow up the city, blow up the city, destroy the city. And if you know this, you can use it to your advantage. It's great. I I'm pretty sure you know I'm pretty sure behind closed doors there's one guy who just pokes the hell out of George Lucas and he hates him. It's probably Steven Spielberg going, Hey George, hey. Hey, still gonna wear that shirt, George? Still gonna wear the shirt? It's like, stop it, Steve! Stop it, okay? Stop it! This is. It's probably disgusting. like one dude with Quentin. This probably one dude with Quentin Tarantino just poking him. Hey, man, go to steal some more Japanese stuff. Let's some more Asian movies. Stop it, man! Just quit, okay? Stop it! Don't talk during the interview. This we are so those gross. people. We have a hell of a therapy session this week. <laughs> we are those. The fun part is people listening to this. We are 32 minutes in and we have not talked about topic. So we have at, all, at all. <laughs> <laughs> at, we have not named one, one of our one choices. Movie. 
<laughs> I knew it. I knew this would happen. So All crazy. right, hard. Nick, Nick, do you need? Do you need like a couple minutes? Like, should I go so you can collect yourself? I mean, I no. Breath? You know what? I can go. I can go, Alex. All right, I'll go. Yes, yes, he can go. I can, I can go. We believe you, man. We're here we for believe you. you. No, I don't believe shit that you we believe, believe you, okay? Luke. Although I, uh, Luke, we believe you. Although I don't know about you, I don't see any old powerful force controlling my destiny. But go right ahead. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. How dare you? God <laughs> By the way, one last thing. I always tell Nick. <laughs> Nick writes as if he and he knows he's going to hate it because he knows what I'm going to say. Nick writes from a point of view of uh, he, Nick. Nick Walker. Nicky walks is the villain. And he's oh, going God. to show everyone. But oh, deep he, down, he thinks he's such a badass. Yeah. Nick is the hero. I hate Nick is the you. Hero. And Alex, you and I are the sidekick slash villains. And the funny thing is, the best way to describe Nick Walker is anybody seen South Park when they when Butters and he becomes Professor Chaos. He goes, "I'm going to show everybody when I destroy them." And really, Butters is the nicest kid in the world, and he's the nicest kid. But he's created Professor Chaos as this. As this uh, <laughs> till I destroy the world, but nothing ever goes right. It's like, and nothing goes right for Butters until he does something good because Butters is a good guy. Nick, you're a good guy. You I are a hero. You are it. Luke Skywalker. You are the hero. It. You're not even Batman. You're Luke Skywalker. Although Nick's favorite film is The Dark Knight, and he, oh, he's just like, look at it, how beautiful it is, and how he watches it over and over again. And look at what Christopher Nolan did on this editing moment, this writing moment, and he looks at it, and he knows it. But deep down, he's Luke, and he's looking for power converters, and he will become a Jedi someday. <laughs> he will become a Jedi someday with the medical, with the mechanical hand and the green thing. But Nick, just, just be the hero. Man, look, the seven stories, there's the hero, there's the... The wizard, there's the friends, there's the villain, there's the princess, and then there's the adventure. You know, you're a writer, you've read the book. Jonathan Campbell, you got it. You're the hero, Nick. Be the hero. Start the journey. What's the movie that you want to talk about? Oh, God. (laughs) I hate you so much. I hate you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. God, all right, let me get into this freaking movie. I can't stand you. I'm like dying. I'm literally dying right now. I'm like melting in my chair. Listen, the movie that I I wanted to, I was I was so you know when we chose this topic yesterday. Obviously, the first place in my mind was Marvel and DC and all those. But then I was like, okay, but if we're talking about the most faithful, what is the movie that took a comic book story? And you know, Nick's going to pick the one I pick, right? I just know it because he's really smart. I just have this have this terrible feeling. <laughs> Listen, it might be, it might be, it might be, but I think, but I, but 
I, but what is the most faithful? What what takes? And and I I also I, it was the thing that I went back and forth, and in my mind was, does it need to be something that is it about the essence of character or about the essence of tone? Is it you know what, is it more important? Is there something more important than just throwing up the plot onto a screen? I think, and I think there is, and this movie does that. So my movie opens with a bunch of very uh, intense studio titles, um, and then. We open on a rainy night in a city. Did you choose it? Is this the one? Yeah. Keep talking. Yes, it probably is. Rainy night in a city. Yep. Young woman out on a balcony. There's a girl on a balcony in a red dress. Yep. In a red dress. And yep. And walks up to her. You guys pick the same one. Pick yep. the same one. But it's, I mean, I, here's here's what it, I think. It, there's I, a reason why. About that. There's, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. You, no, you take it. You're, there's a the, totally reason why. It's it is I think it's the best. Yes. If you're talking about a like a, a a screen a page to screen adaptation. Exactly. I exactly. just think it's he took he took and so of course we're talking about Sin City. It's your eyes. All the things I see in your eyes. What is it you see in my eyes? You're ready to face what you have to face. You don't want to face it alone. No, I don't want to face it alone. So I have all three books, right? I have them right here mm-hmm. um, at my at, at my side. And you know, you read you read a Dame to Kill for you read the 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 um the Hard Goodbye, all these books, and he did. It's I mean, yes, there are some there's some dialogue that's like absolutely just lifted. Yes, there's also there's also some that's changed, and there's some scenes that are like a little changed, but like. It all is in service of the tone of the yes. sh- of the movie. Mm-hmm. The tone the tone of the movie is just so well done. And 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 you know, there's things quite honestly that like watching the movie last night, I was like, wow, An- another another situation where I have to give it up to the women in this movie because big time. Because it's quite quite frankly, you know, I, I love Frank Miller, but like this shit in terms of in terms of equality of the sexes does not hold up like it's it's pretty no. the women it's, in this movie are props they are props yeah. and they are sexualized and it's ridiculous but all of these women carla gugino come on she found yeah. like like they just find a way to like a lean into the style of the film and give you give you characters that, like you remember forget it man you can bang on that door all night if you want to there is no way in hell i'm letting you in I can't believe you're doing this to me, Shelly. Like, yeah, better, better than some of like. I, I, I'm sorry because to me, the weak link, and I don't know what you boys think about this. To me, the weak link here, as much as I hate to say it, is Bruce. Just one hour to go. My last day on the job. Early retirement. Not my idea. And it's not. Yes. It's not about anything about him. Like, I love Bruce Willis, but I'm just like, it just seems like everyone else leaned so hard into this movie. But I, I think I think with with Bruce, it was one of those moments of he had the stars, he had the stars. Yeah. But at the time, at the time, Bruce was the biggest one. Yes. You know, like now, if you did it and Clive Owen was in it, that's a whole different thing. Funny yes. thing is, if you did it now, it'd be a whole different cast of people. I mean, yes. oh my god, it'd be totally different. But um, I think Bruce Bruce played it like Bruce could. Bruce played it. I don't think it wasn't that Bruce didn't lean in. I think Bruce played it to the best of Bruce Willis's ability. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think I think the character, you know, it's it's all very old noir, yeah, yeah. 
you know, forties, fifties, whatever. And, and so that requires kind of, um, like a stoic main voice, right? A guy and an anchor to the world where you believe he's, you know, he's a good guy, but he's, he's hard and he can get into the shit, um, surrounded by a colorful cast of characters. Right. And so the, the dynamic of the world comes from these other big forces, uh, you know, pushing in on Bruce Willis. So you know, it, it makes for not a very interesting character, but uh, an interesting relationship. Yeah. I agree with you, Alex. I do. And also, I think there's a moment where um, some of the other characters were able to hide behind either their story or their makeup. You know, yeah, you have Yellow guy. York, who is Marv, and he got to <laughs> hide behind that character. Worth dying for. Worth killing for. Worth going to hell for. Amen. Once he got the makeup on it's like it's like when you put on a costume yeah. you know what that character is going to feel like you know yeah. you you've, you've read the page you know you've seen the lines on the page you've seen the pictures in the comic and then you put on the the costume put on the makeup and all of a sudden you can feel it yeah and that's what he did i think with clive owen he's surrounded by a cast of women that he had to step into that character because yeah. they had they did too so you step into that, you know, it's the same thing with Elijah Wood. You know, once you put the glasses on, you're like, oh, I got this. Whereas Bruce Willis, he's it's it's kind of like the comparison, at least for me, to if you're going up against Jim Carrey, don't try to be funny. Tommy Lee Jones. Love you. But don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you have, you know, the guy who's playing, um, you know, Rourke Jr., he's such a character that somebody has to play the straight man. And yeah. I think that, you know, and you have, I mean, mm-hmm. to, to have Powers Booth, somebody has to play the straight man. Ooh, and Powers that Booth. Is, that's Bruce. Bruce's yeah. character had to be the straight guy because everybody was so big yeah. that somebody has to, like, ground it in reality. It's, so it's, it's, not, not, it's not that he didn't lean into it. I think it's just he had to do what he had to do to keep it, you know, that, that, that comic book believability moment, like I said yeah. at the beginning. I've never read the source material, oh, um, it's the original pa- book. So it's, it's page so for page. Like it's, it's literally, yeah. it's insane the amount of detail that he was able to capture and then and then embellish upon. Like there's so yeah. many shots that that start with what it looks like on the page and then wind out to something bigger and better. But back to your point, James. I think I think you're absolutely right, and I I, I also think I also think that like you know, when you, when it came to casting this movie, you know, I, I think that you really had an interesting thing because you had a lot of, you know, Clive Owen at that moment was this, he, I mean, he had something to prove. He was up and coming. Mickey Rourke was trying to revive his career. He was, he, he had something to prove. And like, right. Yeah. This right before. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think it's right before the wrestler. I think, I think he, there was maybe a couple of years, but he came in like that blood for blood monologue when he, yeah, I'm, I was watching that lesson. Like, like, Oh my God. Like go man. How the hell do you suppose I'm going to square this with the board? (laughs) There ain't no squaring it. Not this time. This isn't some bar room brawl or some creep with a gas can trying to torch someone. Hey, hey, this is big. Settle down, Marv, take another pill. Hey, there ain't no settling down. This is blood for blood and part of gallons. This is the old days and the bad days, the all or nothing days. They're back. There's no choices left and I'm ready for war. Yep, exactly. So I I really think that you had a cat, like Rosario Dawson. Mike, you want to talk about big and swinging big. Like she just comes in like I'm gonna do my own version of Catwoman. 
But here's the thing. And Rosario Dawson does not get enough credit. Rosario really, Dawson can take really something really, really tiny, like in Daredevil, Ooh. and make it amazing. And then she could take something like even minuscule from like Sin City and go, no, I'm this is mine. Her on screen is, no matter what she's in, even Clerks 2, which, please help me. Um, yeah. She just takes the screen. It doesn't yeah. matter what she's doing. I don't think she gets enough credit. She does. Because I don't think they've given her... Or she hasn't had that. She's had big films, but she hasn't had that. This is my movie. I'm the super superstar. It's all about me. And then and that particular film has become big. But every time she's in something, it's the casting for this was ridiculous. You know, but yeah, everyone, everyone was hungry. Everyone was hungry, you know, for the most part. And you could see that and like and and trying and also remember that like this was on the heels of the Matrix when we were in this era of yes. playing with you know, playing with how we made movies. And when this movie came out, like, I remember like these, these effects that kind of, you know, I mean, they've, they've aged well, like it still looks beautiful. Yeah, it does. But, but it was, when it came out, this, it wasn't a guarantee. Like people, this was like, what the hell are you doing? Like this was, this was very different. Frank Miller's name was big enough yeah. for cop, for the millions of comic book fans to come out and see it. Cause one, it was Sin City too. This is the guy that wrote, you know, the dark Knight, the dark Knight returns, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, you know, he, he, you know, he brought back daredevil that style, but to see it on film, especially because of how yeah. gritty it was and the subject matter. Yeah. They always, this was the, they always uh, toned down comic book movies. They never wanted to get too, too deep. You yeah. don't want to get too violent. You don't want to, it'll scare away the fans. Of course, comic book people read it, but they read it in their homes, in their homes by themselves. No one's looking over their shoulder. I mean, we've got people paying to see this. And he, uh, it was, it was just brilliant what they were able to do with it because they didn't care. They just put what was on the page on film. Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller said, no, let's just do the comic and let the yeah. people decide. And they did. Yeah, they really I remember seeing it in IMAX going, holy crap, this is amazing. Well, out of the three out of the three storylines, which were you guys? So there's three if you guys haven't seen Sin City, there's uh three storylines that that kind of interweave. There's the the Bruce Willis storyline, the Clive Owen storyline and the Mickey Rourke storyline. Which one do you think And I mean, and there's also the Josh Hartnett, but that that comes in and out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um which which one is your favorite out of those out of those three? <laughs> to be honest, my my favorite is the Big Marv story. I, yeah. Yeah, me too. And I, I, think I think it's the best one. Your killing days are over, you over-the-hill do-gooder son of a bitch. I love hitmen. No matter what you do to them, you don't feel bad. Right, but there's a moment in it that is so... It, it bothered me to my soul. It bothers me to this day, but it is also still one of the best moments in the film. And I know that Nick is going to agree with me. It is uh, the moment where Lucille says he made me watch. Son of a bitch. Kept smiling that damn smile. Made me watch. Suck the meat off my fingers. He made me watch. <sighs> he made me watch! Oh, God. Yeah, Carl Again, Carl Gugino it, it's going just, in. It's and I think the because if you don't, if you hadn't read the comic, which I did, but I wasn't ready. It's different when you can turn a page and you can put the book down. Yeah. But when you're watching it and it's happening and she's talking, not like it's normal. You know she's hysterical. You just don't know why. And when she yeah. finally says it, you're just like, oh my god, 
oh my God. You just know, you're like, okay, this guy has to die. I don't know how. And even then, the book and the movie don't give you the satisfaction of the death you want because of how crazy Kevin is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's just that 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 story, but also just the way it was filmed, how big how Marv was. It was great. I loved every second of it. The other film I was going to choose, like the, the, I had three films in mind. And what's funny is none of them were DC and Marvel because DC and Marvel do not do direct faithful do, adaptations. Yeah, they really they don't. Do, they do based on, you know, yeah. like Ragnarok, yeah. which is a great story, is Ragnarok and it's also Planet Hulk together. Yeah. And then they yeah. then they took those two stories and made their own. Whereas, you know, Sin City, Watchmen and Kick-Ass were the two other yeah. Watchmen and Kick-Ass were the two other films I was thinking. Yeah. Because Kick-Ass is pretty, pretty close to. There's some things they had to change, which is why I like Sin City, because the only thing that were all the things that were really, really changed were like you said, were certain scenes and decisions by performers. Yes. So like yeah. almost all the ladies were like, I all the boobs are out in the comic. All the boobs are here. And Jessica Alba was like, my boobs are too expensive. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'll kill you. And it's like, that's, I think that's, you know, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be a woman in, in these circumstances. Exactly. Where you're trying to make this film, but you also, you know, it, it, look, it, nudity is, is your prerogative. And if you want to do a nude scene, you do a nude scene. If you don't, you don't. But I, I really respect the women of these films for like being like, yo, here's where I draw the line. And if you want me, this is what you're getting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what's and, funny is I didn't, I didn't miss it. And I think what happens no. is when men make films, they assume that, okay, we are, we are men and we are fan. We are fantasy creatures. <laughs> Sometimes what you don't show us will make a man go, I must see this film 50,000 times. It's fair. So I'm, the I'm, fact that, so the fact that they didn't show things, was what was got what got a lot of guy fans got a lot of women fans and said ah she didn't do it i think that's really cool you know what i mean yeah but yeah. i mean i and, think that was the one thing you know that was different but you mostly you could take the book kind of like 300 too you could take the book that was the other one i thought about too but sin cities was like what was like you know solidified on which i think is awesome that you did nick and minute you said minute you said the film i was going i was like god dog he's gonna fix sin city yeah oh yeah there's no you other know, you could look at you could look at the pages and look at the film and go there it is there it is there it is yeah. and the only thing is like like a storyboard you know the comic is stationary films have to move and that's i think that's why i think it's the most faithful because all the pictures from the comic are there and then you have to put those other pictures in to make the film move and that's what i yeah. that's what i love about this film yeah. So I think that can, that can lead us into mine because mine's a, a vastly different choice from from any of the stuff we've talked about. But Ooh. I picked it because it it does the same the thing, right? Where I'm reading, I I hadn't read it before. I actually went. It was free with Amazon Prime, and I read the first volume, and then I watched the movie, which I had seen before. And I was wondering while I was reading it, how can this translate? Right? You're thinking like like the story. It's one guy sitting alone, writing a story, getting it drawn. It's such a personal product. And a movie is such a collaborative, big thing that includes performances that you you wouldn't have that control over. It includes music. It includes the cinematography. Like, there's so many elements. Um, and, and the one that I picked, I really was like, it's, it's amazing to me that this story could even become a movie that someone had the balls to do it in the first place because it's not it's there's no 
blood and guts. There's no, you know, naked women. There's no big spaceships. And, and it's very personal to to the author, right? It tells the author's story, even maybe not directly, but like it's it's about him. So yeah, so it starts out uh, with just a bunch of uh, early 20-somethings sitting at a table talking about how their one friend just started dating a high schooler. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. Well done. Yes. I, well I, done. Oh, oh, you're right. You're That's so right. You are so, so right. Not so long ago, in the mysterious land of Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim was dating a high schooler. I love that film. God, dug it. Scott Pilgrim. So I, you know, I, it was interesting. The first, I read the first volume. I'd never read it before. And then I turned the movie on. And for the first like 10, 15 minutes, I was like, eh, this is, this is a wonky choice. Like, this is, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to back this up. It's not quite what I remember and all that. By the time I got to the end of the movie, uh-huh. by the time that the actual like emotional arc had had a chance to take place, I was, I was in it. I was like, wow, like this really, like the whole movie is addressing this kind of like everyone's first decade of relationship experience, right? And how to manage uh, the person you're potentially interested in, like how to reconcile their past with your past, what to do in the present, what's kind of important moving forward. All these things that are like, they're not comic book ideas, yes, but they're presented in a way that is relatable. Uh, and, and I think that this, by the end, it's it's kind of incredible that it worked, <laughs> that it did it. Um, for for those who don't know, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, the story is basically this this guy meets the woman of his dreams, and what happens is he it ends up that he has to fight her ex boyfriends. <laughs> you know, it's presented in big comic book form. Each of her evil ex boyfriends comes and and you know he has to defeat them. Which it, it's all basically a metaphor for like you have to get through your partner's baggage, and if the person on the other end of that is still someone you want to be with, then that's a, that's the right thing. And it, which is, which is, you know, again, it's, it's not a Marvel idea. (laughs) That's not a Sin City idea. I think what's really fun about that film is that the comic book, like you said, you know, has these fights and they look like video games. But then in the film, they were able to give it that extra, you know, those sound effects of video games. It was, uh, but the, uh, Going from the page to the film was just so well. Yeah, it, it was interesting to see how they did it. And, and like I was saying before, like I'm surprised that a studio had the nuts to do it because it's not an obvious, It's it's it has to be very stylized, right? It transitions very seamlessly from being a, a, a regular, like a really regular kind of almost indie movie about teenage angst. What is it, Scott? I had this totally weird dream. There was this girl. Girl. Was this an envy-related dream? No, we don't use the E-word in this house. No, it wasn't her. It was somebody new. And then suddenly there's like giant cartoony fights. And then they're back to reality. And then it's a dream sequence and then it's back to reality. And then it, it jumps all over and it's not super obvious. And in the comic... It's not super obvious how that would translate because it's all very simple, cartoony, a lot of solid colors, a lot of, you know, the the visual style. They didn't try to replicate the visual style, but they kept the transitions. They kept the kind of meta, you know, fourth dimensional stuff. They kept all the extra 
tidbits that make it flow in the comic and they translate it to the screen in a, in a way that that's impressive you know, you know to me as a filmmaker it's interesting it's interesting because i i love scott pilgrim and it's it's one of those movies that you watch and and is and is so much fun but it's also interesting like first of all i think in terms of a studio signing off in it i don't think i mean obviously this movie does not get made without edgar wright as the director and yeah. and and you know this man if you have not seen his movies i mean he is kind of a genius um and he was the perfect director to put this on screen because his style already is one that is just so in tune with pop culture and um and and really making movies have a rhythm and a, and a, and sounds like he his the sounds of his movies are really powerful and and awesome um and that goes through through all of his movies um Shaun of the Dead and Baby Shaun Driver yeah it's you know it's the most obvious it. um but it also you know I think I think the thing that has always the thing that the one common theme that I'm seeing here with with comic book movies and this this might just be where my head's at is like you know how well they age because Scott Pilgrim one of the things that I you know I was thinking as you were talking Alex I was like yes it is absolutely a, a look at like looking at your partner's baggage and see and and if you can if you can still deal with your partner's baggage at the end of the day like you can be in that relationship but that is a it's 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 that story from a very singular perspective because really she's like if you look at if you look at what happens to them plot wise in the movie like the original ending of that movie was that he ended up with knives yes right yes and and then they then they changed it to to be that he would get his you know because uh uh, she's kind of playing, you know, it's, it's uh, the term now I think is meant that manic pixie dream girl. Right. And she's kind of playing that. And so we, we changed the movies so that he ends up with his manic pixie dream girl, but like she, it really is not a good relationship. Like there's nothing. Whoa! Oh, it's not. And, and that's, what's realistic about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it felt very much like a relationship that a 22 year old would have. Yes. 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 It's and that it's, moment. Like you, you meet, you meet her and you go through all of your crap and you go, Oh, now I know what I don't want. Let me go find someone who yeah. is really cool and can deal with my baggage, but not so much baggage I have to fight it every day. I should thank you, though. For what? For being the nicest guy I ever dated. It's kind of sad. It is kind of sad. What I love about that story, like what I love about that that approach is that at that age, when you think that you found the one or whatever, it's it's really a combination of stuff, what your idea of that is, right? That's built on movies, that's built on video games, it's built on, you've been told over and over again what, you know, when you see her at the party and the lights go off and it's just like everything changes. And I feel like a lot of people get into these positions where they are using that energy, that yeah. emotional energy that that's built for drama to run their lives. And the yes. whole movie uses, you know, all the the stuff that he's basically a fanboy of and all this like to to put him through this relationship. I think the most interesting relationship in the film is him and the drummer of their band. Yes. Who they only allude to a couple times dated in high school and he basically dumped her and then he the only way he describes it in the film is that, oh, well, it's it's not really a big thing. It doesn't really matter. And the whole movie, she's staring him down. She's miserable. You can tell she's got a whole vortex of stuff going on that mm -hmm. he ignores until the very there's like one line like, I'm sorry. And then he moves on. Um, and I think that that really explains like what you're saying about a singular vision. Uh, it really explains, you know, a 22 year old male's approach to 
yeah, to yeah. relationships. Which is yeah. literally, he's literally looking at the world with tunnel vision. He's not looking. He's only looking forward. He's yeah. not looking at the side. And it takes him forever to finally look backwards and go, "Oh shit, there is a wake of crap." <laughs> that I have right. gone through that I yeah. didn't even look that people were, you know, being swept up. Other people are being swept up in this and I only see what I'm doing. Or at least mm-hmm. I only see what I my what I want. And when he finally looks back, you know, she's there. It's it's really funny to look at her because you can look at that character and go, boy, if they would let her talk. Yeah. <laughs> there'd be so right. you know, if they would let her talk, it'd be a whole different movie. Mm-hmm. And that's I think what when whenever I see him end up with her. Uh, with uh, with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, I'm always like, I wish that this was recontextualized because it's like, I mean, every, he just gets off so scot free. He does. For, he right. really like, does. Terrible. Be- and like that's that's the part where I'm like, oh, this is this is a a, a young a young boy's fantasy because it's like you could not do that shit and get no. like no, like you can't get away with like, like you're a dick. But also, yeah, which is why I feel like it's it it's the author's story. Like like yeah. when I start reading it and I see all this stuff, I'm like, oh, like this is just this is just some like uh, introverted comic book author trying to work through his stuff, and and he never really finds the point that he's even digging for. Not that we don't love in, uh, introverted comic book authors, because not that we don't love introverted comic book. Pretty much, have three of them on the podcast. I think what's I think what's totally true. I think what's what's fun about it is I think I don't I. I think the author, at least in my opinion, um, was probably writing what he felt at that time. And yeah. that's why mm-hmm. I like that. I think it's easy to go back. I think what's funny is I, I like to tell people that most people in the world, especially men, uh, grow old. They never grow up. Mm. And there's a moment where when you do grow up, you can look back. If you're, if you're smart and if you're self-aware, you can look back and tell a whole story from that not grown up from that immature you and then but you end it because that's makes a good movie <laughs> that makes mm-hmm. a comic book mm-hmm. because um I, I think it was orson welles says you know you get a happy ending all depends on where you end the story yes you know all yeah. depends on where you in the story is where the happy ending is because you could continue scott and him growing up and you go oh god he went through a bunch he had to pay taxes i gotta buy a house had to get a mortgage all that kind of stuff but where they ended it you know, is where a 22 year old would want to see it. Also, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm I, I'm pretty sure that they get they let her they let him end up with her because that was the Hollywood ending. Yes, that's after yep. the Hollywood. It's kind of like a Little Shop of Horrors thing. It's like you know they did the test mo- they did the test movie where Audrey Two eats everybody, and the audience went, "No, that's not fair. We've watched them go through things. They yep. should fail." And then so now we're like, "Oh well, he has to end up with her because he's been fighting for an hour and thirty minutes for this girl. So he's got to end up with her." Whereas in a comic book, you don't have to do that. I would say like it, it definitely leaves you with a, a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, um, you feel weird. I, the positive thing I will say about how they shifted the ending at the last minute is it gives you a sense that he hasn't broken his cycle, right? No, that yeah. This whole, like, yeah. his whole life's been, you know, getting excited and then dumping them for something new and then getting excited and dumping them for something new. And you can tell that, like, he's still, at the end, he's trying to decide between two and he just kind of goes with one and they want, you know, and you know that a couple weeks later, it's all going to change Yeah, again. something else is going to happen. Yeah. yeah. On, a, and, on a positive note... No, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Uh, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? That's so kind of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I thought um, I'd give you one. Just give me one, please. <laughs> uh, no, I think I, I actually want to just shout out all. I think that this movie also, if there was an award for best 10 minute pop in appearances by 
between Chris Evans, between Brandon Routh, between and and let's talk. Here's the other one that I think is like the low key best one of them all is Brie Larson. Yes, come on, yeah. She comes in. She has maybe ten minutes of screen time. Yeah, and, and it's like it's mesmerizing. So how was the tour? You guys play with the Pixies. You're like a superstar now. Yeah, it's uh, not really something I can put into words. She commands that film for 10 minutes and you're like this is before we even know who she was it's like who the hell are you and like she sings that song you're like oh shit she can sing and then she she like is just like a demon to him and you're like wow you are fucking awesome um yeah dude it's just the some of the best fucking cameos in any movie i've seen but also it was it was just so what's funny i love the film because it's so much fun there are moments where Mm -hmm. you get so caught up in the action of it yeah, and the fun of it that you do forget that Scott is a dick. You yeah, <laughs> you forget that yeah. he's a 23, 23 year old kid, right? You know, which kid. is perfect casting yeah. too. I mean, oh, right. <laughs> you're like you forget that, like, oh my god, the decisions you're making are horrible. But horrible. you get so caught up, you know, in these fights, in the fact that you know people turn into coins, in the, <laughs> the fact that her exes just keep coming back stronger and stronger. It's like it was the great. It's to me, it's the greatest video game. It's one of the greatest video game movies ever made. Yeah, it true truly is, and it's you know, and again, I all love to Edgar Wright, who is who's at the time was penning his. Um, I'm looking at the at the wiki, Wikipedia page. At the time, he was he was working on uh, Ant Man. Oh, that's awesome! Like he was he he was he he stopped working on his Ant Man screenplay to do Scott Pilgrim, and then went back to it. Um, you know, which just shows you just shows you how how long these movies gestate for. Yeah, you know, yeah, really crazy, really crazy. Confused yeah. man, children. That's his uh, his forte. Oh, yes, it's perfect. It's literally <laughs> yeah. Because when you look at when you look at Hot Fuzz, when you look at Shaun of the Dead, right? You're like, <laughs> it's all just man, children. Stupid men making stupid mistakes. Like I, I mean, it. and not that is also Baby Driver. Uh, yeah, you know, that. Is, yep, there you go. In, in in more, more, I had a good time with that movie. Oh, it's, it's classic. It's a classic. As much as as much as like half the cast is now you know in jail or headed to jail. Uh, <laughs> stop it! Stop it! Stop! I'm just being look, dude. Stop. I'm just being you're so like, real. Name it up the you're like, oh, 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 damn, damn. Like, oh God, damn it, guys. Just, just be, <laughs> just be. Sm- just don't, don't hurt. How about this? Just don't hurt people. Just, just don't, don't hurt people. Just don't hurt people. Like you can. Oh, I'm looking at all this now. I hadn't heard of any of this. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll let people do their own research. Yeah, it sounds like Edgar Wright needs to make a new movie. <laughs> Here's what I will say, James. Uh, you know, as as we wrap this up, I just want to say, uh, I I I I bow down. I bow down to to a formidable opponent. And, oh, I'll uh, be I'll be coming for my. Uh, I feel like I should be paying you tuition or something. Ladies and gentlemen, now remember what I said at the beginning. I said, Nick is the hero. Remember? Nick is the Luke Skywalker. Nick is the Butters. Nick is the hero. I'm never going to live that, that Butters What's thing. What's happening I'm never right now, that. ladies and gentlemen, on this episode? Alex, what episode number is this? Is eight, nine? something uh it depends when we re- okay. yeah <laughs> whenever this is released whatever number this is, whatever number this is remember this ladies and gentlemen what james monroe Iglehart is saying i in my relationship with nick have set myself up as friend big brother mentor and villain yes villain what happens to the villain at the end Oh, stop what happens to the villain? so nick is bowing down now so we'll call this Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we all yeah. know 
Nick is going to rise from the ashes like a phoenix with some purple ass or minty lightsaber that he has with him, some machete <laughs> gun, whatever, some black cool jacket with some sunglasses with his beard trimmed down, looking all smooth. And I will end up going down in one of his films or plays looking like the biggest <laughs> idiot in the world. Now, I'll probably win an award for it because I'm great. But Nick will come out smelling like a rose because Nick is a hero. I hate this. I hate this. Listen. He can't even bow down. He's like, I bow down. Like like some villain. Shut up. You're going to go get a trainer, train yourself, come back, and I'll think I'll I'll look at you and say something stupid like you should have never come back or some whack-ass Hollywood line and then end up getting my hand cut off and going, I'm sorry, Nick. You're so great. Oh, God. This is... But I will get a book out of it because I'm that good. (laughs) This is going to go on forever. This is gonna this is gonna go on forever. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. Well, I can't do it. Ladies and gentlemen, we just want to thank you for being here for a little podcast, <laughs> Little Justice, the podcast with Alex and Nick. I am it's been great for you to listen to the wonderful uh saga that we had today about, you know, just comic books, the the main how do they become what they are to film and the the one the, the the greatest moments of them being what's the most realistic, what's the best ones, you know, and you we talked about Scott Pilgrim, we talked about Sin City, and we also saw how great Nick Walker's mind works because he thought the same movie as me, which also gives him the credit, which lets you know that the hero is going to come back as obviously he's smart enough to think about what the master thinks. So ladies and gentlemen, we just want to thank you for being with this podcast and hopefully you'll come back on the next time to hear these two young brothers talk about something else that is special on this great show oh i've been hijacked (laughs) (laughs) we're done james how do you feel about just replacing just never, 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 never. The you're, new, you're the new Nick Walker. Yes, do. We want to give it up to our great director and editor, Alex. He is awesome. We want to give it up to our great host and the man who brought me here, Nick Walker. We also want to give it up to the great guest, Mr. Tony Award winning TV star, movie coming out, and also comic book writer himself for Marvel Comics, Mr. James Moore Eichelhardt. It's going to be great. You're going to love what you see. And if you like what you've heard today, please go back and listen to some of the other past episodes because you will get to see the relationship build between Nick and Alex over the time they've had of talking over great movies, talking over great stories, and a great relationship relationship that they've had for many many years i'll probably be back maybe a couple episodes away you don't want to you know spruce it up with just me all the time but thank you thank you thank you for listening also if you're listening we are on broadcast we are on the broadway podcast network and we are on anywhere that uh podcasts are whether you're listening on apple or whether there's a spotify or anywhere you can find your podcast you will hear this great great show ladies and gentlemen thank you very much you are amazing and please come back and check out little justice the podcast little justice little justice Little Justice. Fuck yeah. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Gapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.